Welcome. It's a, a midweek special NL full time. We decided we'd do one this week because there's been quite a lot of fixtures in the National League across the three divisions. It's almost been a full program. Joining me is Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. He's on the train on the way back from Aldershot. Yeah. Woo woo. <laughs> it's uh He's, he's very cold, he's grumbling, but he, he's, he's joined us. And uh, a lot warmer is Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Yeah, good evening. Yeah, no local game for me this evening in the National League. So just been watching it all from home. And we're hopefully going to have Tom Lang with us later on as well. A first appearance of the new year for him. Well, let's get um, straight into it. Obviously, there's been a lot going on at Chesterfield over the last couple of days, they've suspended manager James Rowe. We had him on the podcast, actually, in the last podcast, and little did we know what was going to happen after that. He's been suspended. There's been an ongoing investigation. We're not going to talk about that, but what I will talk about is, is generally overall for Chesterfield. Now, this has happened at a really bad time, hasn't it, for them? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the overwhelming reaction from the Chesterfield supporters is, oh, no, just when everything was literally going in the right direction. They have had a little hiccup, of course, in the results recently. They were beaten by uh, Maidenhead uh, this time last week and uh, and uh, only able to get the one point against Aldershot on the weekend. Ironically, this evening, uh, you know, Chesterfield fans uh, might have been uh, had one little bit of good news this week. So whilst Halifax weren't able to take full advantage, as we'll look at in just a moment, Chesterfield have indeed lost their place at the top this evening. Yeah, they've lost that to uh, Stockport County, who hit the summit for the first time this season. They beat Maidenhead, who've, who've caused a lot of issues for teams at the top, as we mentioned over the last couple of weeks. They, uh, they were belligerent against Stockport for just over 53 minutes. And then Anthony Sarcevic opened a scoring with a header. Uh, another goal for Ryan Crowsdale. He's got quite a few more than normal this year. Love a little goal from the edge of the area, drilling it in. And then John Rooney, who's been out of the picture for a while. He scored, he celebrated as well, pointed at his shirt and pointed at his face as if to say, do you remember me? He got a third in injury time. I know Chris can't be with us this evening, but he said he did listen to it and, by all accounts, Maidenhead gave her a stern test, but we didn't wouldn't expect anything more. But Stockport have overcome the test. They've hit the summit now, and I'm guessing a lot of people are expecting to stay there. Yeah, and that's a difficult, uh, uh, a difficult one to overcome tonight against Maidenhead. Really buoyed from having beaten Chesterfield and Halifax, uh, who were the top two over the last week. And uh, according to Chris, anyway, for the first hour, Maidenhead were exceptional. Uh, and County were a little bit sluggish and disjointed, but uh, they found a way to eventually break Maidenhead down and they went on to do it uh, with uh, a three-goal victory in the end. And, uh, yeah, for Stockport, a little bit like uh, Wrexham, who we'll talk about in a minute, they they really are those two juggernauts heading up the table now. Yeah, as you mentioned, Rob, as well, uh, a missed opportunity for Halifax. They lost at home to Boreham Wood in the TV game on BT Sport. There was Paul and Exa plenty from Matt Smith, Aaron McLean and Chris Hargreaves. And Boreham Wood were just really resilient and, and friend of yours, Rob, and friend of the podcast, Josh Reese. he got the goal um, midway through the first half, a little cut back. He was on a six-yard box and he just tucked it away. And watching it, you can see why Boreham Wood have only conceded 14 goals this season because 
everything that Halifax threw at them, they just they just suffocated them basically. Boreham Wood, and it was a really solid professional performance, wasn't it, Dickie? Yeah, it's a big disappointment for for Halifax, absolutely. But um, yeah, it, a, a great result for Boreham Wood. You know that the, the kind of, of result they've shown that they're more than capable of getting. We mustn't forget they've got their FA Cup game um, um, a week on or just over 10 days away now. So um, they've done well not to let themselves get distracted by that. Um, And, you know, a bit of a a dry run in front of the TV cameras this evening. It's gone well for them. Yeah, they spoke to David Stevens after the game and and they asked him about that and said, how do you keep your feet on the ground? And he said, we're a pretty humble group. And Luke Garrard reiterated that as well. He said, well, he called it all white. They, met, they asked him about Stockport going top and he said, look, it's all just white noise. We just concentrate on what goes on in our dressing room. And, and that's the best way to be, isn't it? Yeah, it has to be, you know, in, in I, I would say f- pretty much for any club in any situation, you've just got to control what you can control, which is what you do when you go out on the field. Um, you know, we're looking at the scores up and down the National League this evening. Um you know, it's been an intriguing evening because there are issues that are beginning to really sharpen up and, and you can see that the, the, the stakes are being raised across all three divisions. But any of the teams, whether it be promotion, relegation, whatever they're going for, they just have to concentrate on themselves. So that's a, that's a really, you know, sensible attitude to adopt. Can I just make a little point, chaps, as well? Um, when Boreham Wood looked at how these last two games might pan out, they might well have said, you know, get the three points in the home game against Weymouth and then go and dig in and make sure we get at least a point up at Halifax. And uh, it's ironically, it's happened the other way around. They were frustrated on Saturday when they could only draw uh, with Weymouth. Of course, Jamie Record uh, opening his uh, goal account for Borenwood at the wrong end of the pitch. But uh, that's a really, you know, when you look back at the season and you look at the certain victories that you've got, Borenwood going up to Halifax tonight. And I know... Halifax have been a little bit dishevelled. They've been a little bit hit with uh, illness and injury, haven't they? And they're just having to, to sort of grit their teeth and get through it at the moment. But uh, that's a fantastic three points for Luke Garrard's men. And uh, as I'm sure you'll touch on the table in just a moment, it's getting ridiculously close now. When I looked at it close towards the end of the results tonight, I think there was just three points between the top six teams mm-hmm. and the widest title race in years is, uh, is, is getting narrower in terms of the race. Yeah, six points, as you say, Rob, between Stockport in first and Dagenham in the last playoff place. So we'll get on to very shortly. But Bromley continue their good run. Andy Woodman still in the dugout for them. Jude Arthur's scored the winning goal against Woking. Wrexham, they won 1-0 thanks to a brand new signing. And they, they signed Ollie Palmer from AFC Wimbledon this week. And uh, basically, they, they announced it as undisclosed. Wimbledon went, no, well, they've they've paid 300 grand for him <laughs> and just uh, just uh, basically dished the dirt and how much Wrexham had paid but he scored on his debut against his old club and Dagenham and Redbridge they had to come from behind to beat Weymouth and they leapfrog Knox County who only drew nil nil so some in- interesting results as you mentioned Rob yeah I mean uh, uh, absolutely I mean you, you the the uh I had um 
I had uh, Neil Smith, former Bromley manager, as my guest summariser alongside me in the game. I commentated on tonight and uh, we talked about the other goals and things as they went in. One of the things we did refer to is that Oli Palmer goal and how money, you know, what money just does buy you. It's bought you three points there, hasn't it? I mean, expensive points, three points at £300,000. But uh, as he said, he's always rated Oli Palmer. Um, but did he ever think he'd be signed for 300000 by a side and drop two divisions? No. Um, you know, it, 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 when, you, when you say it back, it sort of beggars belief, doesn't it? But uh, that's where we're at. That's what the market is at the moment with those five or six really big clubs in the National League, uh, two or three of which are prepared to dig very, very deep in their pockets to try and ensure success at the end of the season. What we do know is we know the maths, don't we? Or we know the maths. Uh, and that is that there's no way that unfortunately that all of those clubs that have really, really stretched their budgets this season, they can't all succeed. Only two can go up. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's going to be um, glory or bust for a couple of clubs this season. Certainly, there's going to be a couple of clubs are going to have to scale back. You don't get promoted. Um, as, as we mentioned, Rob, Notts County, although they're away from home at Wheelstone, they'll be disappointed that he didn't pick up the win there. And uh, level on points with them are Solihull. They did get the win. They won 2-0 away at Torquay. That's a long trip on a Tuesday night. And Kyle Hudlin, the tallest professional footballer in the country, he got the opening goal. And that man, Andrew Dallas, scored yet again. Yeah, it didn't look like it was going to happen for them. It, it came pretty late. Uh, and uh, although... You know, we've noted Cole Hudlin's height before. I, I was I was following the Twitter feed for that one. He actually scored with the back heel. So um, uh, some deft footwork from the big man. Um, it, yeah, a bit of a shock that it wasn't Andrew Dallas scoring a goal for Solihull. But yeah, he, he soon restored the natural order of things by popping in the second. Um, and that's a really good win for them. It's it's now a gap of six points from them to Grimsby, who, who are 10th in the table. And and for me, it, that feels a little bit like where the line is starting to emerge between the teams who were, you know, st- still realistic playoff contenders and the ones who maybe aren't. But I'm sure Grimsby fans won't thank me for saying that. And there may be teams slightly below that that still feel they've got a chance. But six points is, you know, we're, we're just beyond the halfway point of the season now. And the six points is starting to feel like a lot. Dickie, as well, there's some yeah. news news emerging about Solihull Moors as well about the they're going to have to move out the ground in the next three years as well which is a big blow for them yeah this is a really unusual story um if for those fans who don't know Solihull Moors ground is hemmed in on virtually on all sides by um Jaguar Land Rovers works in Solihull and the road that leads to Jaguar Land Rovers works um there are talks about expanding the plant at JLR as they call it over the next few years and I believe that uh, Solihull Council have it within their powers to make a compulsory purchase of the land um, in in order to allow JLR to expand their factory. That would mean them having to find a new home for Solihull as part of that agreement. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big spanner in the works of what's been going on down there. You know, there, there has been work uh, put into improving the stadium um, and at the Armco Arena, as it's called now. And yeah, that's potentially going to have to be torn up um, and, and recited somewhere else. I've just seen us pop up on the screen in front of me. It's only Tom Lang, who we've not seen for a while. Hello, Tom. Hello, how are you doing, boys? Yeah. 
Yeah, very good. Very well. Tom's been at a game. Rob's been at a game. We'll get onto those uh, very shortly there, where uh, Rob's been and Tom has been. Uh, quickly, though, we, we've got to go to the bottom and say, well done, Dover. They're finally off the mark in terms of wins. They have won their first game of the season against Eastleigh. He'll be really, really disappointed. But, uh, Rob, I think we've got to rejoice and uh, well done to Dover. Yeah, fantastic for them. They've gone from nine minus eight that they've been stuck on for a very long time to minus five. They've taken the lead in quite a few games, but they've not been able to hang on. They have done so tonight against an Eastley side that have crashed their third consecutive defeat. Um, and it's been a miserable old week, really, for Eastley because they've lost Ben House as well. He's uh, gone up to the EFL with Lincoln City. But, uh, yeah, huge credit to uh, Andy Estatala and Dover who've kept their side competitive. Ironically, they had one of their biggest defeats of the season on Saturday. But what a way to bounce back with uh, a one-goal win. Alfie Pavey uh, grabbing that goal for them and uh, a clean sheet and three points. Well done, Andy Hessenthaler. I know he'll be getting a call on the way home from Neil Smith, who was with me, because he said he'd definitely be given Hess a call on the way home to congratulate him. I think the, uh, the, biggest, the biggest order of business for Dover now will be extending that Alfie Pavey loan. Um, because he's made a huge difference for them since he's come in. Uh, and I think it's due to expire on the 31st of May. So I imagine uh, Mr Hessenthal will be spending a lot of time on the phone to someone in Maidstone this week. Absolutely. And, and just talking about Maidstone, funnily enough, um, I don't know if this news has broken uh, uh, you know, around the country, but Mo Bessemer um, from Aldershot has just gone to Maidstone um, on loan to try games under his belt so a bit of a striker merry-go-round yeah and he's gone he's gone to Maidstone at a good time as well we'll find out very very shortly a great stat Dickie that you just uh, flashed up in front of me as well about Dover yeah I, I can't quite remember who put that one on Twitter this evening but apparently it is 364 days since Dover Athletics last victory so almost exactly one year this corresponding Tuesday night um, last year was when they won their last victory. So, yeah, congratulations to them. And uh, you know, what that will do for the, their spirits down there, it can hardly be measured, I would imagine. Whether we use the, the, the podcast title tonight, I don't know. They think it's all over. <laughs> but, it's, but it's not quite. <laughs> yeah. Um, Weymouth, they are still down. Cluster's third bottom uh, even though only two go down. As I said, they were 1-0 up against Dagenham and Redbridge. It looked like David David Oldfield was going to get his first win. However, they ended up losing. Maidenhead have slipped down to 20th. Wheelstone have, have jumped above them on goal difference with that draw. And Southend are now in 18th. You saw Southend this evening, Rob, against all the shot. And I know just before we started recording, you said it was a, a fair result, the draw in the end. Yeah, it was the fair result. I mean, it's always... It's always hard to take when your side's been ahead since the fifth minute and then they, they let in an equaliser in the 86th. But uh, to be fair, Southend were good. They were bright. They were lively on the ball. They didn't hurt all the shot enough. They didn't get enough efforts on goal. But you kind of felt one would come eventually. Uh, Harry Cardwell, who'd been neat and tidy in his hold up, a nice crossing from the left. Deft head. Ironically, the goal at the other end of the game was quite similar. Crossing from the left and Ryan Glover scoring his uh, first Aldershot Town goal um, in eight now, and Aldershot just one defeat in 11, and they really have pulled their seasons round. Uh, proves to be a good point for Aldershot at the end of the day, because they've jumped to 15th, the highest they've been in the table all season. 
and as I say, just one defeat on the back of shot. Um, special mention to Jaden Harris. Don't think I've ever seen a player win back possession more in a game than Jaden Harris did tonight. Absolutely purring in the centre of midfield, Tom. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I mean, he's he's got real pedigree. He's the all-time record holder for under-23 and under-18 appearances at Fulham. He was, uh, you know, over 100 age appearances for Fulham. Um, you don't do that without having a level of quality. Um, and he, he, you know, he's rangy. He can tackle. He can drive forward in possession. He can pass. He can shoot. Um, I really do think, you know, a year or two under his belt of full-time men's football, he'll be back into the Football League, no question. Rob, how did uh, Harry Cardwell look? We know he stepped up from National League North. I know he had a brief spell at Stockport County last season, but predominantly he's played in the National League North at Charlie. So it'll be a completely different sort of way of life for him moving down south as well and, and competing in the National League. Yeah, he was neat and tidy in possession and, uh, you know, he took his goal very, very well. Um it was thwarted a lot all night. Um, a lot of the South End attacks were all shot of defending with real passion and vigour at the moment. They're taking a the pride in their defending uh, and they're excelling in their defending. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do with their forward play there. They're not creating enough, as many chances and they're not uh, scoring too many goals, but they are making themselves hard to beat. I don't think there's any doubt in Harry Cardwell's quality. Just the one opportunity on the night and he took it with aplomb. Did, uh, did Norhusin play, Rob? Yeah, Norhusin uh, kind of had a free roll just behind Cardwell and Dalby. And, uh, yeah, he's somebody who caught the eye a little bit of the night. He wasn't outstanding, but always lively, moving into little pockets of space, always looking to make things happen. I know he's a player that uh, Neil Smith alongside me had seen before as well and uh, was impressed with. He's an Afghan international, isn't he? What else can you tell us about Norhusin? Tom? Uh, I, I can tell you that he's one of only 10 South Asians uh, professional footballers in the country, um, two of whom are Afghan, one, the other one being Mazar Kuyar at uh, Hereford. Um, but that he, Dartford fans are very upset that he's been sold. Um, in the middle of a title challenge, they feel that their, their best player has been plucked from them um, and that they're really lacking in creativity without him, that he was uh, sort of the, the focal point of how their team played and that... Um, that they worry that Steve King will will question the, the board's support, basically, if they're willing to sanction the sale of the best player while they're chasing a promotion. Yeah, finally as well, just on South End, it's interesting that they've gone down a different direction now and they're starting to sign players from the National League North and South, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they, they were embargoed, weren't they, for quite a while. Um, and obviously they came down with quite a lot of players still in their squad. I think it was 13 still in their squad from last season. So, uh, yeah, now they recognise where they are now. And that part of that, that knowledge and that appreciation will have come from the likes of uh, Darren Curry and uh, Mark Bentley, uh, you know, who, who, who've been involved in management in non-league. And uh, they know there's an awful lot of talent down here. If you can harness it correctly, if you can coach it uh, well, then uh, you can get your dividends, both in terms of their performances for you and, and perhaps making some money from your club as they push on upwards. Yeah, quickly before we move on to look at the National League South. Uh, Dickie, no game for Kings Lynn this evening. I saw Stephen Cleave, the Clinton chairman, tweet out over the weekend saying, we've still got 60 points to play for, but it's uh, it's easy saying that, but you, you'd have to suddenly get championship form, wouldn't you? And they've also sold Ethan Coleman to uh, Leighton Orient this week as well, haven't they? 
Yeah, they have. He's gone to Lake Orient. I think they've uh, Daniel Goyos. He's gone to um, Dover as well. So um, I don't know what that says about um, Kings Lane's strategy for staying in the division. Um, difficult to stand in Ethan Coleman's way. You know, he's got a chance to join um, a, a professional club in the EFL. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just another blow for Kings Lynn, uh, just precisely when they didn't need one. But, yeah. Brill. Uh, well, let's move on because we've got Tom here and I know he's... Uh... He's wanting to get home and we've also got Rob as well. We'll get on to the National League South. So at the top, there was no game for Dorking this evening. Maidstone are in second. They took advantage and, and boy, did they take advantage. We mentioned about Mo Betimer has gone there and he's going there with them in a good moment at the minute. They're unbeaten in the last five. They've won three of those. They're now just three points behind Dorking and they smashed Ebsfleet, who've had... A bad few days, haven't they, Tom? Yeah, very difficult week for Ebsfleet. Um, obviously, they they lost Sefa Karaman to a red card on Saturday, and now, due to the vagaries of red card suspensions, not kicking in until the following Saturday, he's now been sent off again tonight. So, I'm not entirely sure what happens with the suspension there, but I would imagine it's, there's a multiplier effect. Um, and then, of course, uh, Dennis Kutcher was sent off tonight as well. So, you know, things are things are difficult for them at the moment, but. You know, the the league is so tight at the moment. It's so tight that if they can get a win soon, they you know, it's you, you can go on a bad run, and as long as it doesn't go for too long, it doesn't necessarily impact you that much overall. And they've got games in hand, haven't they, Absley? Yeah, they do. I think uh, is it two or three on the majority of teams around them? Um, I know, sort of like there's some teams up there, like Chippenham, for example, who played an awful lot of matches. Um, I think that over the next next month, the league will even out a little bit more and you'll start to see teams more where you would expect them to see them finish. Yeah, they've only got one game in hand now on Dorking and Maidstone and Oxford City above them. Uh, but for Maidstone, as we mentioned, Tom, they're in a really good moment at the minute. We've talked about their inconsistencies over the last few seasons. They seem to really thrive in it. And as you say, with the strength in depth, adding someone like Mo Bessemer as well can only stand them in good stead. Yeah, they do, and it's a big selling point, isn't it? That they're they're one of the few teams who can who can offer full time football, um, and that enables them to build up a bit of that strength in depth because you know it's a very attractive proposition. There there aren't as many clubs at the second tier in the south of the country as there are in the north who are playing full time, um, and yeah, like it, the league is crying out for somebody who can go on that good run of form, sustain a good run of form to challenge stalking, uh, and maybe it can be made stone because otherwise, really, stalking are looking like running away with it now. Rob, Mo Betham is going to smash it there, isn't he, in the South, you think? I think he just needs most of all to get his uh, fitness levels up, his match fitness. And then, yeah, for sure, he'll, uh, he'll score goals at that level. He'll score goals anywhere, Mo Betham. He hasn't, he's had a really stop-start, disjointed run uh, for one reason or another over the last uh, calendar year, really. Up at this point last year, he was already sat on last season. He was sat on 10 goals, but the second half of the season just didn't really happen uh, for him. And uh, wish him well at uh, Maidstone, where George Fowler's already settled in well. And I'm delighted to see him on the score sheet tonight. Very, very popular in his time at Aldershot, George Fowler. And uh, he came so close to scoring on so many occasions. It's great to see that he's netted tonight in that win. So, uh, wretched week for Ebsfleet. But uh, Maidstone, yeah, they're on, uh, on good course. 
No game for Oxford City, but Dartford, we mentioned them, Tom. They are just stuttering a little bit. It's a fourth draw in five games. They drew 0-0 against Concord at home, and, and you saw Dartford on, uh, on Saturday as well, didn't you? Aside, like make no bones about that, but confidence is everything in football, isn't it? And I think I saw something on the Dartford forum that said they've now uh, won two in their last 13 league matches, um, which is if in a normal season relegation form, realistically. So, how the, the fact that they're still in a playoff fight at the moment is more down to the inconsistency of teams around them than anything they're doing at the moment. In terms of on the pitch, they they seem to lack a little bit of creativity, maybe. Um, you know, they're, they're relatively solid at the back. They're dangerous, you know, as we have saw on, on Saturday, they're very dangerous from set pieces with the likes of Essam and Bonner coming up. And, you know, they've got the, the consummate penalty box poacher in Jack Robinson. Um, Kieran Murtar still has the ability to be something of a tour de force at this level. But they don't really have anyone that's unlocking defences. Um, Calvin Kalala looked dangerous but didn't look capable of playing a full 90. And, and I can see why Dorking, uh, Dartford fans rather are a bit upset about losing Houston. Uh, Steve King needs to turn it around soon because I, the reality is, with, with, with the way they started this season, a playoff campaign is something of a failure. They, they should have been targeting that automatic promotion spot. And it's very difficult to see them resting it away from Dorking now. Sixth and seventh in the division, Dulwich Hamlet and Chippenham. Differing fortunes for them. Dulwich Hamlet drew 1-1 at home to Eastbourne Borough. Chippenham have really... Uh, Mike Cook's doing a fantastic job there, isn't he, Tom? They've snuck into that last playoff place now above Hungerford. And they had a 3-1 win over St Albans. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's quite a result. I think St Albans are in a bit of a difficult spell at the moment. And it was always likely to happen once if Sean Jeffers' goals dried up. Um, now, Sean Jeffers is a very good striker, but there was no way that he was realistically going to be able to maintain that early season form. You know, I think he had something like 17 goals in about nine games at one point. Um, um, and they, once those goals dried up, it was difficult to see how they were going to win games. Um, and yeah, Chippenham are doing really well. The, the loan signing of Ricky Aguiar was a massive benefit for them through the autumn and, and, and uh, December. And that burst of confidence and Harry Parsons coming in and scoring five goals in three games, I think, uh, really gave them a, a shot in the arm. Um, and, I, you know, second time I've said it now, but particularly this league, it's a confidence league. Um, and we're seeing so many teams go on runs of four or five losses in a row, then runs of four or five wins in a row. Um, and, and, you know, Chippenham, I remember playing them back in October, I think, and they were right down the wrong end of the table. They were, you know, pretty turgid to watch. And yeah, as you say, Mike Cook's turned it right around and, and they're one of the form sides in the division now. Yeah, they got um, they got absolutely stuffed twice by Bath over Christmas, but they recovered well from that. Hungerford, as I mentioned, they, uh, they're they just having a bit of a wobble, aren't they, Tom? They lost 1-0 at Hemel Hempstead thanks to a Charlie Hughes penalty. Yeah, they are. I mean, this is a difficult time of season for Hungerford and, and uh, if I recall, it started to get a bit difficult for them at this time last season as well. They've got quite a small squad um, they're very reliant on a few key players um, you know like Callum Wilmoth Ryan Seeger's goals obviously Keith Emerson at the back um, but you know a sole Wanjal Smith as well by the way one of the absolute standout players in the National League South this season um, I've got every confidence that they'll keep winning enough games to stay up around that part of the table um, you know they won on Saturday they got a good result on Saturday um, yeah can't win all of them can you 
Yeah, Dickie Challey, he's in a good run of form as well, isn't he? Yeah, apparently that um, penalty that he slotted away tonight was his fifth uh, game scoring in a row. So, yeah, he's on a really hot streak at the moment. But Charlie Hughes, I mean, what a signing that is for Hemel. Um, you know, he we know all about him. He was in that front three at Molden and Tiptree with Jerome Slew and Danny Parrish. It all went, all went to Wilson, essentially. And then Charlie Hughes has been back at Molden and Tiptree the first half of this season, uh, scoring goals for fun, as, as he always does. Um, and Hemel have taken a chance on giving him step two football again, and he's he's absolutely repaying that face. Just down at the bottom, then quickly, it's getting very very interesting. Who's going to go down? There's only one goal down. It's uh, an Essex uh, an Essex struggle at the bottom between Braintree and Billa Ricky. Both of them got draws in the end, and I think both will be disappointed. Both will lead in as well. Braintree with two 0 up against Welling and ended up drawing two two. Billericke were leading for a long time as well uh, through Femi Aking one day and three minutes from time, Slough got the equaliser in the end through Josh Jackman. Uh, neither of them seemed to want to pull away, did he, from that bottom one? No, it's, it's a real tussle, isn't it? And um, both, sides are actually, both sides have been much improved recently, actually. Um, Braintree, I saw them last Tuesday. They absolutely blew Hampton away. They were such a good so aggressive and physically dominant. Um, I couldn't believe that they were bottom at the time. And, and Luke, in Luke Holness, they've got a real player up top as well. Um, Welling, though, are much improved since Peter Taylor's come in. Um, and, you know, I, I think a draw there is, a, a draw against Welling is a creditable result these days. Uh, and as for Billericke, Shaquille Holthurst, Colthurst come in and give him a bit of a shot in the arm. It's really interesting to see how that tussle is going to work out. And, and also, you know, don't bet against somebody from slightly above being sucked into it as well. Um, I've got to say a word to Slough as well, of course, after, you know, the, the result was almost immaterial for them after after the week that they, as a community and as a club of experience, um, and just being back out on a pitch together, playing football together, having that bond um, that will have been so important to them all over the last uh, difficult few days. Um, I think just getting through that 90 minutes is what, what counts for them and, you know, wish them... But you know, really hope that they're able to kick on and uh, and move forward with their season. Yeah, and the final game we're going to look at is your is Hampton Richmond Borough. It was a kind of a, a lower uh, lower mid table clash, wasn't it, with Bath in the end? But but Hampton Richmond Borough uh, got a really good result. Yeah, and it, and it was deserved as well. I think um, you know, that, let's not pretend that Hampton totally dominated the whole game. Bath had their spells, um, but. We saw real defensive resilience that we've not seen from Hampton for a few weeks. Um, that aggression's back in the centre of defence. They're, they're pushing through for headers from corners and free kicks. They're looking a bit more solid at set pieces. Um, I think Hampton have conceded an awful lot of goals from set pieces this season. Um, Tommy Block has come in on loan from Woking and he's slotted in very well. Uh, and, and the midfield clicks brilliantly. And in Zach Robinson on loan from Wimbledon, just a, a real handful up front for the Bath bar players. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Hampton would like to play Bath every week. That's seven goals scored against them this season. Um, but a good win, a nice nice confidence boost for, for Gary McCann. Four points from a possible six against uh, Dartford and, and Bath is a good return after a run of six losses in seven in the league. Please tell me Tommy Block's a defender. Tommy Block is a right back. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Great block from Block, you can say, yeah. Nominative determinism at its finest. 
Uh, interesting. I know Dickie as well. You love teams that haven't had a draw. Will Bather fall into that mold? Twenty-three games, nine wins, fourteen defeats, no draws. Yeah, I mean, it's really a bit freakish to get to this point of the season without having recorded a single draw, isn't it? Um, I suppose you're either going to go home smiling or or despondent from a bath game by the sound of things. There's no half measures, but uh, yeah, I'm sure Jerry Gill would take a few um, draws uh, rather than some of those 14 defeats you've mentioned there, yeah. Quick, quickly, Tom, then, just down at the, at the bottom, do you think... It is between Braintree and Billericay, or do you think maybe the likes of Tunbridge, Welling and Chelmsford can't afford to relax yet? Um, I mean, I, going out on a limb, and this is purely based on what I've seen from those five teams, I think I think Welling will be will pull clear. I think that they are down there still on the basis of that awful early season form they had. Um, when we played them uh, about three months ago, shortly after Peter Taylor came in, much improved. He's changed the squad quite a lot, and, and I think they're a very different proposition. Um, I haven't seen Tunbridge since the opening week of the season, and uh, I wouldn't be able to comment, but Chelmsford, I think, should be nervous of getting sucked in. Um, they don't seem to have a, a settled first eleven. I don't think they really know what their best team is. But, you know, they don't score enough goals, and they don't, you know, they're not that tight defensively either, so... If, if anyone is going to get sucked into it, I think it will probably be Chelmsford. Tom, well, uh, brilliant. Thanks for joining us and it's good to see you again. No worries. Thanks very much. Um, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, Rob, if you, you've not heard from him for a while, uh, basically he's on the train, he's got off and now he's got on the tube at Waterloo. So uh, Rob has, has left the building or, or left the podcast. So we, we will speak to him over the weekend. We're going to look at the National League North next. If you see somebody showing any of the signs of a stroke, you don't have to think about it. You just dial 999. Use the FAST test. F. Face. Has their face fallen on one side? Can they smile? A. Arms. Can they raise both arms and keep them there? S. Speech. Is their speech slurred? T. Time. Time to call 999 if you see any one of these signs. Act fast. Make the call. Dial 999. So in the National League North, the game of the evening was definitely in Lancashire, wasn't it? In Charlie, where uh, Charlie took on Fylde. Fylde came out of the box very quickly in the end, but Charlie managed to peg them back. And I was amused to see that Ben Charlie scored for Charlie. <laughs> yes, uh, that was as flash scores had it at one point in the evening. Um, yeah, it was the, the, the game of the evening, definitely. Charlie against Fylde, both teams in the playoff positions um, and, and file got off to a flyer. They led through a two Nick Horton goals within the first uh, 18, 16 minutes of the game. Um, so two nil up and we're cruising, but then yeah, John Ustabashi, a player that you're um, very familiar with. He was actually the player credited with their first goal. And then in injury time, five minutes into injury time, Mike Calverley turned home a call corner to make it 2-2 and yeah really important point for Chorley and a bit of a blow for Foyle that one yeah it's uh, five games unbeaten they've uh, drawn the last two Charlie but at home I imagine it would have been uh, a decent crowd there as well at uh, Victory Park but they couldn't quite get the victory in the end no they couldn't and um, uh, you know they uh, 
I suppose interesting, you know, we spoke about Harry Cardwell earlier and and how his loss uh, might affect um, Chorley. But, you know, that that's a, a fairly good point for them tonight. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how they go. They've got themselves into a playoff position. They won't relinquish it easily, I'm sure. Yeah, the big thing for them now is, like you say, with the Harry Cardwell money, is how they reinvest it. Yeah, it is. You know, I think there is potentially some money there to be reinvested um, if they choose to do that. Um, uh, They've only got a few days of the window if they were going to make it a permanent transfer, whether they'll, you know, look to get somebody in on loan Um, instead. I'm not entirely sure. But um, yeah, I mean, Jamie Vermiglio knows what he's doing. He's he's, he's steered uh, Chorley exceptionally well during the, his time as manager and I've no doubt he'll he'll be working on a plan to, to make up for Cardwell's absence. Sandwiched between Fylde and Charlie is Kidderminster and it's back-to-back wins after that defeat that they suffered at Hereford last Tuesday and they had a hard-fought win away at Kettering and it's been the managerial merry-go-round hasn't it as we mentioned on Sunday's podcast uh, Paul Cox left Kettering to go to Boston and then Ian Culverhouse was it was inserted shortly after, and a lot of Kerrion fans think that they've maybe got the uh, the better end of the deal on that one. However, he couldn't get off to a winning start, could he? Because Russ Penn's side took all three points. Yeah, um, we recorded the podcast on Sunday um, in the morning, and I think it was announced with about an hour ahead of the the, the actual two p.m. time that that. Um, that Kettering going to announce the name of their new manager. Apparently, they'd identified Ian Culverhouse as their number one target. Spoke to him, a deal was agreed, and it was all sorted very quickly. Um, and bearing in mind, they you know didn't know that they were going to lose Paul Cox until Friday evening. To have another manager in place within forty eight hours is is pretty good going by them. But yeah, he couldn't make it a winning start tonight. Um, they lost one nil at home to Kidderminster and Maury Morgan-Smith of the goal. They weren't helped either by having their goalkeeper, um, Reese Davis, I think it is. He had to go off injured. No uh, goalkeeper on the bench, only four substitutes. So Connor Johnson, the defender, ended up having to uh, don the gloves and go in goal for the rest of the game. Um, I'm led to believe that there was also a, a, a late contentious uh, decision whereby Jordan Crawford had a goal chalked off right at the death for reasons that were um, a little bit hard to understand for those of a Kettering persuasion. But yeah, ultimately, it was enough for Kidderminster. They got the three points, they got the job done, and they're on the way back to Worcestershire um, as we speak. Yeah, in that last playoff place, it is Boston, as we mentioned, Paul Cox's first game in charge and it was a 3-0 win over struggling Farsley and that's four straight defeats now for Farsley. Yeah, I mean, this was probably, you know, it's a, an expected result. You know, it's uh, Boston at home against the Farsley side who was struggling. Um, there's clearly um, uh, an incentive for the Boston players there to impress their new manager, Paul Cox, actually taking charge for the first time this evening. And it sounded as if it was fairly routine. Luke Shields put Boston ahead just after the half hour and then goals in the second half from Fraser Preston and a Danny Elliott penalty right at the death. Made it 3-0. But yeah, not great for Farsley. They remain just two points ahead of Telford in last place. Yeah, just behind them, they snuck up unannounced, haven't they? I know they've had uh, they've had games called off due to COVID, so they've been catching up on them at Hereford. And uh, another good win for Josh Gow inside. And they're going about the business quite 
quietly, aren't they, really? They are. I think it's a third on the bounce for Hereford. Um, they had the 2-0 win over Kidderminster uh, in midweek last week. They won 4-0 um, on Saturday. And, yeah, they, the only blot on the copy this evening was that they couldn't keep a clean sheet. They did have a 2-0 lead through uh, goals from uh, Janai Gordon and Tom Owen-Evans in the first half. Had them 2-0 up. Uh, Matt Green, a recent arrival at Gloucester City, the former Mansfield town forward, he got a goal back late on 74th minute, but no, it wasn't enough for Gloucester. Yeah, Matt Green, a new signing, of course, well-known to National League fans, Mansfield, Grinsby, Lincoln in the past. And I know they were a bit frustrated that he couldn't get him on the pitch on, on Saturday, but he could be a key signing for Gloucester, couldn't he? Yeah, Gloucester have been looking to add experience. Um, I don't think it was any secret that um, when Paul Groves took over um, from James Rowe that a lot of the signings who came in were uh, were were either lone players or, or, or younger players and that what they were missing was a spine with some experience. Um, you've got Matt McClure um, and Green now as a striking pair, which, you know, look, looks a pretty good calibre um, front two for, for National League North. Um, they've added a bit of experience throughout the side. Um, but yeah, it's just not really happening for Gloucester at the moment. They've not pulled away from um, the relegation zone the way they would have wanted to. Alfredson won win in the last four for them. They lost 3-2 at Geisley and what was it? A pretty topsy-turvy game, wasn't it, up in West Yorkshire? Yeah, it was. This one went back and forth. Um, Geisley, um, they lost Jordan Thewlis just ahead of the weekend. He joined spending more time, but they have signed Dom Tier from uh, SE Halifax Town. He was on the mark twice this evening. He put them ahead in the 35th minute. Dale Southwell levelled for Alfredton just into the second half, but then Tia again put uh, Geisley back in front. Bailey Hobson made it 2-2, but Lebrun and Becker with a winner five minutes from time, and that's a really, really valuable three points for Geisley. That pulls them just that little bit further away from, from the bottom. Yeah, and the other, the final game was at the Yorkshire Derby, a re-range game from New Year's Day. And Bradford Park, haven't you? I mean, York haven't been great at home, but it was a comfortable victory in the end for Bradford Park, haven't you, wasn't it? It, it, it sounded very much so. I actually listened to some of this game um, um, on the internet uh, this evening and there were some pretty disgruntled York supporters you could hear in the background and, you know, I'd, even the commentators were, were joining in with the, the ineptitude of, of York's performance this evening. I don't think they were meaning to take any credit away from Bradford Park Avenue. I mean, that's the, it's a terrific result for them after um, sneaking um, a winner with only nine men against uh, Kettering on Saturday to then get a 3-0 away victory today at York. It has, has um, Mark Bowers' men in really, really good heart at the moment. Goals from Adam Overkowski will probably double his money to £2 a week this week for the goal. Um, Dil- Dylan Motley-Henry with the second goal. Um, and then, yeah, it was all tied up quite late on with a third. But, um, yeah, the, the York fans, n- not happy Um uh, some questions as usual I don't think any of the blame was coming back directly onto one person 